Today, I want to share a message with you that I've titled, If God Says Be Still, How Do I Respond? If God Says to Be Still, How Do I Respond? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with you, and I was telling you how I really believe that God is speaking to us through this situation that we're facing. And one of the points that we mentioned in that teaching is that He's telling us to be still and know that He is God. Now, I really believe that this is one of those things that is so difficult for us as human beings to do. You know, to be still. We have so many things that we have to get to. We have to get to phone calls. We got, we got to get to meetings. We got to get to emails. You know, a lot of times when we wake up in the morning, we're already bombarded with different decisions and things that we need to do. And we got to get the kids ready and take them to school and then run to work. But all these days, all that has taken a different turn. It's been a little different, you know, just to drive down the streets here in our beautiful city of Miami and not see traffic. It's... Uh, kind of weird, you know? It's kind of weird to, to see that you could get from one place to another in about 10 minutes, you know? And what you're used to it has changed so much, you know? And I really believe that in a moment like this, God is telling us to be still, to quiet our soul from all the storm, from all the things that are going around us. You see, you turn on the news and they're telling you something. You go into social media and your friends are saying something else. And in the midst of all this, God is also speaking to us. He has a word for you. So how do you calm your soul down? How do you just quiet down to hear what God is saying. Well, there's a couple of scriptures that I want to share with you guys today of what being still means. And the first one is found in Job chapter 37, verse 14. I'm going to read this from the NIV version. And this is God speaking to Job. And he says, listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. So you see, here, God is telling Job just to stop for a moment and consider the wonders of God. Have you stopped in these days just to consider what it is that's going on and what's happening? Because I assure you that what you and I are living right now, we have never lived something like this in all our lifetime. I think maybe in the time of our grandparents when World War II was taking place could have been maybe a similar situation to what's going on now. So how do we just stop and consider the wonders of God? You know, uh, just the other day I was going out in the evening. I had to take out the trash and I looked up at the sky and there were so many stars in the sky. And it was so peaceful outside, you wouldn't hear anything, not even the crickets were chirping. And as I looked up at the sky, I was looking at God's wonder and I was like, right now, the world is in chaos. Things are crazy right now. But as I look here into the sky and I consider your work, Lord, it looks like you make everything perfect. It looks like you're in control of everything. And I looked at the vastness of the sky and I was like, my God is so wonderful, so mighty. So I encourage you in this moment where we just take a rest, where we stop to all the craziness around us, that we could contemplate God. We could contemplate his wonders. Also, if you go with me to Psalm 131, 
verse 1 through 3. That's the whole psalm, literally. It's just three verses, all right? Psalm 131, verses 1 to 3. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says like this, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I didn't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. He's saying, I'm not going to worry about things that are larger than life, things that are harder for me to understand. Like maybe you're there tonight and you've been trying to figure out, you know, this whole thing about the coronavirus, or maybe you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you turn on the news and you try to figure out what decision is the president going to make? What decision is the governor going to make? What's going to happen with the economy? And the psalmist here is saying, I don't concern, I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. So he talks about calming himself, quieting himself in the middle of everything that's going on. That's an example of how we could tell our soul to be still and know that he is God. Now, the Bible is full of examples okay, of being still and of not being still. And today we're going to look at one example of not being still and what were the consequences, what is it that really happened, okay? And we're going to look at an example, a beautiful example in the Bible of a king that decided to be still in the middle of a national crisis and how he responded in the way that God acted on his behalf. The first example is in 1 Samuel 13. And you can look at this with your own time, but this is a story of King Saul, all right? And King Saul has just uh, been made king of the nation of Israel. He's been anointed by Samuel. And the prophet Samuel has given him some instruction of what he's to do. And as he's received those instructions, part of those instructions that Samuel told him is, Saul, I need you to wait. I need you to be still for seven days. In seven days, I'm going to get to where you're at. And when I get to where you're at, I'm going to tell you what are the following instructions. What is that you need to do next? Well, what happened was that as they started to go by, there was this army of the Philistines that were coming against the Israelites. And day one went by, day, day two went by, day three. And the days were going by. And the prophet Samuel was not going to where King Saul was. And the people started to run away because they were scared. Because the Philistine army every day were inching in closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, King Saul said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for the prophet Samuel to get here. I'm not going to wait for him to do the sacrifice that he said he was going to do. Go ahead and bring me a calf and I'm going to go ahead and do the sacrifice. Now, Hold on a second. That was something very dangerous because King Saul was not a priest. He was not allowed to make that sacrifice. He was ordered to wait for the prophet Samuel to get there and the prophet would give him instructions on what to do next. He couldn't wait. He couldn't keep his soul still. He couldn't keep quiet in here. The voices outside were stronger than the voice inside. 
and he was moved to act. And he made the sacrifice on his own. The Bible says that the moment that he finished doing the sacrifice, the prophet Samuel arrived at that very instant and told King Saul, Saul, what is it that you're doing? And he said, well, since I've been waiting all these days and you hadn't come, my men got desperate. You see, I don't know, uh, Samuel, if you know that the Philistines are coming against us and we need to make decisions right away. And you know what Samuel told Saul? He goes, Saul, you've made a great mistake because of this that you've done here today. You know what? You've lost the kingdom. And now God is going to look for a man after his own heart to give the kingdom to. You see, at the end of the day, I want you to understand something, you that are watching me right now. Everything that we're going through, God uses that as a test of our character, uses it as a test of our faith, uses it as a test of our perseverance. Everything that we go through, God is using on our behalf. And a lot of times when we decide, you know what, I'm not going to be still. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. You know what happens? We miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. That's why I believe that even in the Bible, the Bible says that God created everything in six days. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. You see, for American mentality, that's something very hard to do. To be able to rest. To be able to put a stop to everything. We are constantly on the go. And as we are constantly on the go, a lot of times we miss out on what God wants to do. You see, I encourage you that right now in this time of this virus, that you could put a stop to your regular activities. Maybe sleep in for an hour. You know what? Maybe turn off the phone for a full day. You know what? At the end of the day, there's not too much that is going on anyways. You know, so you can use this time to connect with God and say, Lord, here I am. Connect with your family. Right now, you that are watching me there, maybe you, you have your wife, you have your kids, maybe you have uh, your parents there, maybe you have your in-laws there, maybe you have the people that you live with them there. You know what? As soon as we finish this transmission, it's time to connect with them. Speak with them and say, you know what? What is God telling you through this message today? So you see, that was an example of not being still and missing out and actually being disqualified from the purpose and plan that God had for Saul's life. Now, I'm going to give you a beautiful example of a, another king in the nation of Israel that he decided to be still in the middle of a crazy season. And this is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 20. And that king's name is Jehoshaphat. You see, and the story of Jehoshaphat is such a beautiful story because the Bible says that there were three armies that were coming against them. The story of Saul, it was just one army, the Philistines, that were coming against, against them. But in Jehoshaphat's story, there's three armies that they've all conspired with one another to come against them, to come and bring destruction to him. And you see... It doesn't mean that he wasn't scared what was going on. You see, he, he went to God and, and he wanted to know what to do. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, uh, read the scripture there with me. It says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. 
We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. What an amazing scripture. We are powerless against this army, but we are looking to you for help. You see, I want to tell you something, guys. We are powerless in our humanity against this coronavirus right now. Humanly speaking, right now, they're still working on vaccines to fight this virus. And as I was looking at the news the other day, they were saying that it might take from 12 months to 18 months to actually have an antivirus to fight this thing and make it completely disappear. You imagine a year and a half where this virus is just taking over. I pray that doesn't happen. And we're believing for God's divine intervention in the middle of this. But King Jehoshaphat recognized and he says, we are powerless against this mighty army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. You see, that's very anti-us, you know, to say, you know what? I don't know what to do. I, I draw a white flag. I surrender. You see, because we always have a great idea. We always know what to do. And if we don't, we'll just go ahead into Google, you know, and we'll ask Google what to do, you know. But here he says, but we are looking to you for help. We're looking to God for help. And like I said at the beginning of this transmission, that's why it's so important that you are here connected that you are getting hope for this moment, that you're getting a word of encouragement because we are looking to God for help. I'm not looking to CNN for help. I'm not looking for the U.S. government for help. Whatever they do, hey, praise God, that's a blessing, that's great, but I'm looking to God for help. And here, the moment that he prayed this, here comes God's answer. In verse 13 through 17, it says, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Hazeliel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeliel, son of Metaniah, a Levite. Okay, these are a lot of confusing names, all right? But he was a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. And Asaph was the worship leader during the time of David. He was a relative of the main worship leader in the times of David. And this is what this guy said by the Spirit of God. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. What an amazing word. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged against this mighty army. Even God recognized that there was a mighty army that was coming. Three armies was coming against King Jehoshaphat. But he said, this is not your battle. This is my battle. The battle is the Lord's. Tomorrow... Here are the marching instructions now. Tomorrow, march out against them, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Juriel. But you will not even need to fight. Listen to this. The Lord is telling King Jehoshaphat, through this man that is prophesying to him, through the Spirit of God, you are not going to need to fight. That seems like the craziest instructions. 
three armies are coming against him and you're not going to need to fight. He continues, take your positions, get ready for the battle, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. I pray that over each of you guys that are watching right now, that you and I could stand still. You could stand still, stay home. If they required you to stay home, stay home. If they quarantine you, stay home. Stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Second time he says that. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. What an amazing instruction that God gives here to the king through his spirit in the life of this man that was used by God to bring a word. I want to tell you something as you watch this and as you hear me this morning, okay? The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Whether right now you're even battling with a coronavirus disease, or maybe you're with a flu, or maybe you have heart problems, or you're with anxiety, or you're with fear, or you don't know how to pay your rent, or you lost your job, or, 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 or a lot of ifs, a lot of options, a lot of things that are happening. But I want to tell you, according to the scripture, the Lord is with you. You can trust. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So what happens next in this amazing story? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. If you could go with me there. It says like this. And at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. They started to sing and give praise. Actually, if you read a little bit of what happens, they set up the worship team to go in front of them as they're going to the battle against these three armies. And at that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. Can you and I sing and give praise to God in the midst of our most horrific and difficult battles? Can you and I actually have the faith, the courage, and trust in our God to say, you know what, this situation is not going to steal my worship. This situation is not going to steal my song. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing my way out of this situation. It says that as they sang and gave praise, the Lord calls the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mausair to start fighting amongst themselves. These guys got confused and they started fighting each other. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mausair and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemies had escaped. Wow. I want to tell you something in the midst 
of this that you read right here because it caught my attention that God called the army to go. And not only to go, but to stand at a lookout point in the wilderness. To stand in a place where they're going to witness the victory that God was going to give them. And I believe, my dear sister, my dear brother, my dear friend, you are watching. God is going to let you see His victory. He's going to let you see His victory in the midst of this battle that we are fighting right now. When they looked, all they saw were dead bodies lying in the ground. Not a single one of them. Not a single one of them, of the enemy, had escaped. They won the battle without even fighting. All they needed to do was be still and let God be God. Because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And I'm going to finish off by reading verse 29 and 30. It says... When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest. Look at that word. His God had given him rest on every side. You see, when the people found out what was happening, that Israel won this battle, they didn't know exactly how they won the battle. All they knew, you know what? Israel's God is in the battlefield and he is fighting for them. And it says that the fear of God came upon them and no one wanted to face King Jehoshaphat. So he had peace and he rested from all his enemies. I declare this word over you as you are watching here today. I declare that we learn how to be still in these times and we let God be God. So you might be there and you're like, Pastor, then what do I need to do? What's my job? What I mean, I need to do something. You know what your job is? You know what your job is? Your job is to find refuge underneath the wings of Almighty God. That's your job. That's all you need to do. Find refuge underneath Him. You know, if you want to do a little bit more Bible reading, once I get off the air, check out Psalm 91 and read the whole thing. Because in Psalm 91, there's two times that it talks about pestilence, disease coming and stalking against you and planning to devour you. But it also gives a promise of what happens to those that find refuge underneath the shadow, underneath the feathers of the Almighty. I want to tell you something. That's what we need to do. And that's what I encourage you to do today. As you are there, I'm going to encourage you right now to close your eyes for a moment. Can we just come in prayer to God and say, Lord, what are you telling me here today? What are you speaking to me this morning? What do you want to say to my soul? Am I like King Jehoshaphat, learning to be still and to trust in you? Or am I more like King Saul, that I need to be doing something. I need to be solving the problems in the situation. Which of these two kings do you identify yourself with this morning? If God says, be still, how do you respond? There were your eyes closed. I want to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to every person right now 
Right now, as they've just received your word, I pray over them, Lord. And I thank you for the work that you're doing in each of their hearts. Father, teach us to be still. Teach us to be calm, Lord. Teach us to trust completely in you. My God, I believe that this is a season where you're inviting us, Lord, to run underneath your shadow, to go and depend completely on you. You spoke today, Lord, to not fear, to not be dismayed. And right now, it's so easy to have fear in our hearts. It's so easy to be dismayed and, and just to, to lose hope in the middle of what we're going through. But Father, in Jesus' name, we believe that you have our best in mind. And I believe that you're going to work on our behalf. Father, in Jesus' name, strengthen each person that is watching us right now. Strengthen them. And I speak peace and calmness. Be still and know that He is God. And there were your eyes closed. Right now, I want to make an invitation for all those that could be watching that have never invited Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. Today, there's an opportunity. Today, you could come to God. Your sins be forgiven. And you could have eternal life right there where you're at if you invite Jesus to come into your heart. And you might be saying, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to guide you in a simple prayer. And I'm going to ask you to make this prayer with me. You're going to say with me, Lord Jesus, today I invite you to come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Take me by the hand and take me into the arms of my Heavenly Father and fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may have your peace and that I can have your voice speaking inside of me. Guide me today in Jesus' name. And his people say, Amen, Amen, and Amen.